0: I'm not Good morning, good evening, whoever you are, wherever you are, whatever you may be doing, we wish to welcome you to just another conspiracy show with your host, Jeff Williams. Well, it is certainly the most wonderful time of year, and for those of you who may be listening to this at around Christmas, we wish you the best of the holidays. And... New Year's itself is right upon us, but the question becomes, whose new year is it? After all, the Jewish people, the Chinese, the Islamic, and many other people follow significantly different calendars, ones that don't count January 1st as being any date of particular significance and our own calendar itself has been changed several times to start with julius caesar way back in way back in the day he initiated one of the first reforms to our solar calendar now keep in mind we follow a solar calendar which follows the Sun's progression through 365 days as compared to the Chinese Jewish people and the Islamic people who follow a lunar calendar which follows the moon through its lunar cycle every month month being moon the one cycle of the moon and it is this solar calendar that comes to an end in just a few days Now, this is an excuse for drunken debauchery amongst many people, and there's nothing wrong with raising a glass of champagne or two to celebrate a new year, but we really have to ask ourselves, why January 1st? It wasn't always January 1st. As a matter of fact, April 1st used to be the beginning of the new year. And when you think about it, April the 1st makes a lot of sense for a new year. After all, April 1st is when you start being able to plant crops, to plow fields, to to really get a sense of spring. It's like winter has finally gone and a fresh new season is upon us, whereas in January we're still looking forward towards months of bad weather. And the reason this switch took place was, well to be honest, the two most powerful things in the Western world the Pope and the King, specifically Pope Gregory the Thirteenth and Charles the Ninth. In fifteen sixty four, Charles the Ninth, who was King of France, changed the calendar from April first being New Year's Day to January first being New Year's Day. Now Of course, this being the 1500s, they didn't have the internet, there was no TV, there was no broadband. It took some time for the news to get out to everybody that the king, in his divine wisdom, and I use the word divine on purpose, not in that he was particularly much smarter than the rest of us, but he supposedly had divine right on his side, and what the king said the people must follow, or perhaps, as was better put, l'état c'est moi, I am the state, from Louis XIV. That's the kind of power that the kings and the queens in the ancient world, and even coming up to the present day, expect to have. And that's exactly what the Illuminati use to, to influence you, to manipulate you. And they're quite good at doing it. Back in those days, the the tradition of April Fools was established. People were invited to fake New Year's parties on April the 1st, and the Fools, who didn't know that the real date, the new date for the new year, was January 1st, well, they became the village idiots. So, like I said, the New Year's, as we are celebrating it, is a complete falsehood a reification, if you will. Just the whims of a few men in the Middle Ages at 1564 who decided January 1st seems to be a likely day. And why January, you might ask? January is named after the ancient Roman god Janus. Janus is a unique Roman god. He has no parallel in Greece in Israel, in anywhere of the ancient civilizations. Janus was a two-headed god, supposedly one head backwards, one head forwards. He was a god of boundaries, he was a god of terminations, and indeed he was the god of war. So when King Charles and Pope Gregory picked January, the month of Janus, they knew precisely what they were doing. This was not an idle, uh, frivolous decision. They exactly wanted the God of Boundaries, the Terminator himself, to have his month honored as the beginning of the year. And indeed, every new year starts off with optimism, which is usually qu- crushed somewhere during the year, be it early or later. Um, in, the, in f- In New Year's 1914, most people poke up thinking, yes there's tension, yes there's conflict in the world, but we're civilized, we'll sort through things. They had no idea that the slaughter of World War I would be upon them by the end of the year. And in fact, the world has remained at that same war for the last 114 years. Yes, The war that started all the wars is still going on. Let's look at its original titles, because they're the most accurate. The Great War. Well, to quote Star Wars, wars don't make someone great. What was so great about it is it's like the great plan, the great work. This was the great war that was going to continue to occupy humanity for the next Well, 114 years so far, and we're still counting. Because the war still goes on. I can't emphasize that enough. And the other war, or the other title for the war, which is the most significant, is the war to end all wars. Yes, the war to end all wars. Because even though in 1918 an armistice was signed, The blood sacrifice has continued ever since. The killing fields of Ypres and Dunkirk and the guns all fell silent in Europe, but only for a very short time. Even if we only look at isolation in Europe, we find quite a few things happening at that exact point. Sure, in 1918, the Germans and the British and the French stopped fighting, and of course The Russians have become the Soviets, they themselves to later become quite significant in the second part of the Great War, which I will call World War II, but realistically it's World War I, Part II, because it's mostly the same people. Yes, the Italians and the Japanese switch sides, but betrayals during warfare have happened many times before and many times since. There's nothing new under the sun, and while history doesn't repeat itself, it does rhyme. Immediately after the war, the Germans fell into a period of civil unrest. They had revolutions. They had communists fighting nationalists, and eventually that conflict, as we detailed last week, gave rise to the Nazis. Japan immediately swept into the former German colonies, brushing aside the European colonial bastards and replacing them with, emperors, with the emper- Japanese emperor's people instead. And it's somewhat slightly unfair to say the Japanese emperor himself was at fault because the Japanese nationalism idealized the emperor to the point of godhood. And it was in fact the militant nationalist Japanese who were the ones pressuring the Emperor to give his blessing to their military adventures in German East Asia. And Not only East Asia, they moved into Korea, they invaded Manchuria, they, they were well on their way to establishing quite the empire well before 1939, the supposed start of World War II. There's the famous incident of the Japanese walking out of the League of Nations when the League of Nations attempted to censor them through a vote. And that's simply because Japan never saw the end of World War I. Interestingly, Japan never saw the end of World War II either. There was never a treaty signed between Russia or the Soviet Union at the time and Japan at the end of World War One. The British and the Americans signed a treaty with Japan, but not the USSR or Russia. So that war is literally continuing to this very day. It's in a Cold War phase, but just because a war has gone cold doesn't mean it doesn't exist. In 1939, after Germany had invaded Poland, there was another little Cold War. It's sometimes colloquially called the Sitzkrieg. Unlike the Blitzkrieg, the German war tactic, the Sitzkrieg was when the British and French were sitting waiting for the German troops and the Germans were amassing their forces. Poland had already been invaded, war had already been declared, but there was a Cold War. Just because shots are not being fired doesn't necessarily mean a war is not going on. And even more so, you can bet your bottom dollar both sides were trying their darndest, their best, with every bit of intelligence resource they had to undermine each other. But back to the 1930s, um, you look at Italy. Italy, who had been on the side of the Allies in World War I, decided to invade Ethiopia. And Spain had a revolution. So we've had The Germans having their civil war giving rise to Hitler and the Nazis. We have Italy going to war in Ethiopia. Spanish civil war. The Russians fighting off the white Russians in the Soviet civil war. So, realistically, there was no real peace. The war had gone away from our Western-centric view with Britain and France and those lines, but the war itself hadn't stopped. It had just mutated itself. It had been a brush fire that had spread from one location to another. Now, Spanish nationalism was very similar to fascism. It still had the same idea of state and industry control of the masses. Again, any time you hear someone wanting to do something for the people, you can bet your bottom dollar they probably want the exact opposite because as soon as Franco won Germany was primed to annex Czechoslovakia and the Sudetenland because Germany, Russia and many of the other powers were using the Spanish Civil War to test their combat tactics their combat weapons and indeed they sent their commanders in there. So we can pretty much establish any meaningful Break between World War I and World War II, and indeed, as I've already said, World War II never ended, it just mutated. Again, Italy and Japan switched sides back to the NATO side, whereas the Soviet Union and the USA pretty much split the world between them. There is even a plan immediately in 1945 that the Allies were going to take former German soldiers. Um, generals, even some of the hardcore Nazis turn them around and send them in to fight against the Soviet Union, their very ally. And the author of this plan was none other than Winston Churchill. Talk about a stab in the back! <laughs> Nothing like at the end of World War I, this literally would have been the Allies thrusting a dagger into the back of the Soviet Union. Now, how that might have played out is a subject for much debate. I'm not enough a military historian to say which side would have won, but I can say it would have been a terrible idea. The cities of Europe were already already ravaged, and the armies were already exhausted, and Russia proved it had the staying power, and indeed the resources to keep throwing stuff to the West. While the West was dependent on its supply chain in United States, Canada, overseas basically. So as bad of an idea as that was, there were plans to not only continue World War II but blow it up into the biggest crusade possible to try to take the Soviet Union out. And indeed that that was the plan for the next several decades from the Illuminati have the Soviet Union on one side, the United States on the other, and they'd be allowed to start their little brush fire wars. Vietnam, Korea especially, and of course Afghanistan, which remains in the headlines today. We've also heard about uh, Soviet pilots having flown to North Korea to Vietnam to be in the front lines of battle against American-trained American Allied troops. There's nothing particularly unusual about this. American soldiers are considered heroes for having gone to Britain and France in the early days of World War One and World War Two, and having flown on the ha- on behalf of the Nazis. Er, um, sorry, against the Nazis on behalf of the Allies, and you can bet your bottom dollar. Not only were the Soviets and the Chinese sending quiet reinforcements and men, materials, and firepower into Korea and into Vietnam, you can bet in every conflict that the USSR and China have found themselves in, that the US or its allies have equally had their troops running black ops missions that we will probably never hear about, or indeed if we do, the records will be so redacted we'll never be able to read them. And this brings us back to the present, which, the war that's being hyped up right now is indeed the war against North Korea. Now, this is not really a new war, it's just simply the latest battle. We haven't really stopped battling. There was an, int- there's an interesting comparison between Rome and the United States. Rome had the Temple of Janus. Yes, Janus, who January is named after, and its doors remained open whenever there there was war. And before Augustus Caesar, the doors had only been closed twice in Roman history. In the same way, during American history, 98% of its time has been spent in a state of conflict, if not direct war, then conflict, against one state or another. Now there's countless examples of this, the, the early formation of the U.S. Navy to fight the Barbary pilots, pirates, the present instability in the Middle East, which is a direct result of World War I. How do you say that, that it's a direct result of World War I? Well, you might have heard of the movie Lawrence of Arabia. This isn't simply a Hollywood fantasy, although I will admit it is highly glamorized, but it's named after Sir T.E. Lawrence, who is deployed to the Middle East and whose exploits are seen as a freedom fighter. He is seen as a liberator from the Ottoman Empire, liberated Iran, Iraq. the state in the states in the Levant not to name any in particular because there's so many and basically bringing the Ottoman Empire to its knees and he did this very well but when at the end of World War One when they were deciding what to do with all this new territory because Otto, the Ottoman Empire and later Turkey were on the losing side they just drew up some random maps and said okay here's where the new borders are This is going to be the state called Iraq. This is going to be the state called Afghanistan. And they basically took people of different tribes and different religions, without any consideration, said, you are all of this nation now, live with it. The Kurds, for example, were spread out over several territories, and they've been saying ever since they should be their own nation. And goodness knows, with all the atrocities committed against them, maybe they would be better off looking after their own security. But it's this exact pen stroke that we find ourselves 118 years later seeing our soldiers dying overseas for these countries that literally are nothing more than little bits of ink splashed across a piece of paper by people from 114 years ago at the end of a major war who just simply thought that's where the border should be, for whatever reasons were political at the time. The exact same thing happened at the end of World War II, going back to the North Korean Peninsula. They decided on the 52nd parallel to be the difference between the Soviet-controlled North Korea and the American-controlled South Korea. There was originally no division in Korea. Even when Japan invaded it, they took it whole scale. So the division has literally only existed since the 1940s. There are people alive to this day who were alive when this state was petitioned into two. And we have two very different Koreas that we are looking at. Just as in the Levant and in the Middle East we can see very different examples of the successive states. North Korea is considered a rogue nation. Whatever that term means. When you think of a rogue, you think of an individual acting alone, and indeed, Kim Jong il probably enjoys that image of himself as this drakish character, boldly stalking into the night, pulling his various schemes, and making the world his own. But North Korea has allies, be assured. It it was part of what was termed an axis of evil by George W. Bush, which included Iran, and indeed it has been known to share technology with Iran in return for materials and supplies. Now, that shows it's not a rogue nation, it has some friends. China is perhaps the biggest backer of North Korea, although their relationship is slightly strained at present. China is absolutely, 100%, the number one reason the United States has not dared to go in and try to take out what they consider a rogue nuclear nation. Now you might ask yourself, well, North Korea is acting like a madman. Has a group, perhaps at the behest of Kim Jong Il, perhaps at the behest of the ruling class and their elite which I think is far more likely, they're lobbing missiles, they're doing nuclear tests, and the nuclear tests don't even make sense. Korea is not a big area. Um, North Korea um, is all, not even quite as big as South Korea, and its population is very spread out. So wherever you decide to conduct a nuclear test, <laughs> you're going to wind up in poisoning your own population. This is the reason why the United States and the USSR, currently Russia, decided to stop holding their own above-ground nuclear tests, because ultimately, you can throw off a nice 50 megaton Bomba, but someone's going to have to deal with the fallout, and someone's going to have to deal with the radiation. There are dark rumors and dark whispers that the cattle mutilation stories that we hear so much about are in fact perpetrated by a clandestine division of one of the alphabet agencies, be it the CIA or the FBI solely to, make sh- solely to ascertain the damage being done to us as human beings because you look at the parts taken from cows it would be the lips, the genitalia all the places you would expect radiation to accumulate the north koreans being an insular society are faced with no such restrictions they don't have to justify their actions to to any media because they control their own media and the north koreans quite frankly are not insane they're making their own they're making their own rules at the present time but they're doing so because someone very powerful is telling them they have their back Just like Hitler made some daring choices because someone told him they had his back. But the plan isn't for Kim Jong-un, or is it Kim Jong-il? I'm sorry, I get them mixed up sometimes. The plan isn't for Kim to be invading the United States, but it might be for him to loft a nuclear weapon. This is a bit of a horrifying scenario, and it's been threatened for a long time but realistically it's not very likely. You see, one of the reasons the United States won the Cold War, the one that ended in 1989, not the one that's currently brewing, is because the United States used a different technology base than the USSR. The key difference was in their missile technology. The Russians used a liquid fuel booster, and it would take them two days to fuel up their boosters, to be able to launch a nuclear strike on North America or wherever they chose to. Whereas the United States used solid-fueled rockets so they could be launched within 15-20 minutes notice. Get the coordinates, get the authorization codes, the missiles could be in the air, you're done. Now, this has other significance because it was the solid rocket boosters, the very technology the United States gambled on, that destroyed the Challenger. Yes, the Space Shuttle Challenger was the very same technology that the US was using in their missiles. But, once again, we come back to North Korea. North Korea uses a very heavy influence from Russian and indeed Chinese technology, which depends on those same liquid-fueled rockets. So, with the United States satellite security agency the way that that it is they can spot so much detail about everybody they would see in a moment if North Korea was fueling up a missile they'd have two full days goodness knows how many satellites going over the various missile launch sites they would definitely see it coming and be able to launch a preemptive strike I don't think Kim has, has any real intention of nuking the United States that's not his game plan, although he, it does have the intention of gaining glory, and the glory will be found in somehow taking out South Korea. This would be attainable for Kim, Kim and North Korea. They have enough artillery stationed next to Seoul to literally blow it out of the water. 48% of South Korea's population lives within the same te- Basic area is Seoul, and the old U.S. Sorry, the old USSR t- military tactic would be to mass enough artillery to be able to wipe out everything in a grid square. Since the North Koreans still follow Soviet doctrines, being not so much a relic of that area, but uh, one of the last survivors, um, the last of that breed and indeed that's what they have in mind. If they could just wipe out that hated seal, they're sure the rest of the country would just jump at the opportunity to follow them and indeed the higher powers, the Illuminati, the New World Order keep assuring Kim Jong Il Kim that that is indeed what is going to happen so what we need to concern ourselves in the new year is Janus, the two-headed god, the god that was in charge of war, that overlooked everything, which face will be turned towards us? The benevolent face of peace or the hostile face of war? That's a question we will unfortunately have to wait for the answer because unfortunately the blood ritual that's coming is going to come whether we like it or not. We wish to thank you for joining us for just another conspiracy show. We welcome all your infor- all your information, news, updates. Please feel free to write to Jax at writeme.com. That's capital J, capital A, capital C, capital S, at writeme.com, lowercase for the ending. And yes, we hope to chat with you soon. Have a happy new year in the new tradition. And we will talk to you again soon. Thank you. Good night.